Hey everybody, this is Tommy. I want to read for you one of the reviews we got on Apple Podcasts. Thank you from Rim DC. I've been longing and waiting for this podcast. As a 40-year-old survivor of purity culture, I am just now discovering my inner sex goddess, along with D and reconstructing my faith. This is incredibly timely, and I'm so here for it. I had no idea there were goddesses listening to the show. I love, I love, I love knowing that I goddesses love that. are the listening. Inner goddess. I love it. So good. Thank you so much for leaving that review. And listeners, if you hear this, it helps us out a lot. So if you could just go ahead and anywhere you listen to this podcast, leave a review. We'd be really appreciative. So season one is now done. We're all sitting around the table getting ready to record season two. And I'm just curious what it was like for all of us after this first year has been out there. Sorry, pause. We're going to do that whole thing one more time. Dang it. I hate when you do that, but okay. Yep. I got electrical noise from somebody's phone. Yeah. Mm. I'll just everybody on airplane. I'll just turn my phone on. But it's always better the second time anyway. So it's like now you get to say the exact same thing. I never say the exact same thing. That's the problem. Okay. So tell me when. From Mill U Media Group, this is Fun Parts, an exploration of sexuality and spirituality for anyone who's curious or convinced there must be more. With your host, Becky Patton, Ashley Lusink, Steve Weens, Luke Bronner, and me, Latifa Alatas. Fun Parts! So season one is done, and we're now sitting at the table getting ready to record season two. And one thing I want to point out is we're all in different places. What do you mean we're all in different places? There are some new things that have happened to some of us. Mm. Yeah. Somebody's pregnant. It's not me. It's It's not me. (laughs) Steve? (laughs) All that peeing last season. (laughs) Now we know. Now we know. Yeah, I know. Pointing to something. No, but I I think it's, I think there's, but there's, there are things like that. So I'd like for us to actually check in first and kind of update people where we're at. If there's been, if there has been something that has actually happened, because I feel like that's being honest because that changes our perspective a little bit. Mm -hmm. The other thing also that I think is important is all of us have been sharing some of the responses we've had to season one and for us, it was a risk to put season one out there. For all of us, it was. And I think it'd be kind of good for us to kind of update what has it been like for us? What have we experienced? What have been some of the responses, both good or hard? And for us to just kind of open that up and talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So who wants to go first? Not me. The pregnant lady should, I think. What? Yeah. <laughs> Guess who? <laughs> it's Ashley. Yeah. No, it is interesting to think about coming to this season with a new relationship to my body. And that's been something that I've been thinking about. Just what does it mean to go through a transformational experience of re-engaging prior to becoming pregnant mm-hmm. and befriending my body and going through a really deep healing process. And then to just experience this newness happening and growing and expanding. And I have just been thinking about how I feel so grateful for the work that I did before this on a, like many different levels, emotional, spiritual, and physical. And so I'm kind of curious to see how this will unfold for me. Also with that, I think as I'm thinking about the response that came in posting season one, I didn't realize how much anxiety I was going to have putting this out into the world. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I've talked about, but only one-on-one. 
you know, like it's something that's been a very intimate conversation. And so to put it out there, and I actually shared it with my coworkers in a team meeting, and I was I was sweating. I was I was just like having this whole thing. And it was like, but this is this if this is gonna go on in the world, like, and I believe in this, I need to talk about it. But also to realize that I'm not alone in needing to hear this. I think I've been surprised at the people who've reached out and said I've needed this and thank you for thank you to all of us for having this conversation. Because yeah. I think sometimes I I just assumed that I'm like Oh, maybe I'm the only one that's experienced this. And so to know that it's a shared experience with people that are in my community and maybe we wouldn't have ever talked about it. And so, and just to see how this, the feedback people keep saying of like how much they've needed it. So Hmm. what's funny is we're, so we're recording this. It's September. So you're pregnant while we're recording it. You will not be pregnant anymore when this comes out. So by the time folks are hearing this, you will have had a baby that was not even growing yet. Yeah. Well, but we this baby's been privy to the conversation right now. Yeah. I was thinking about that this morning. Like, welcome to this world. Like, <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. So you're starting yeah. your sex talks with your baby yeah. early yes. in womb. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Which is actually really true. I mean, in utero, mm-hmm. we used to just think like alcohol and cigarette yeah. smoke cross that border. And we know that emotions so actually cross it now, yeah. which is something that's hard to admit. For some people, anyway. Yeah, it does. I wondered about that this morning. So we started our day together, which we haven't seen each other in seven months, eight months. Mm -hmm. We started our day with this breathing exercise. Wim Hof. Wim Hof breathing, which I'm sure will come up a lot. I'm going to talk about it. Don't worry. I mean, like, I'm sure it'll be a part of season two. But I thought about that this morning of like, man, that baby is so lucky. Like, it's getting to have this experience that we're all having, that I'm having for the first time at 40 this baby's getting to have it in the womb of mm. like the deep breathing and, and and balancing and centering. And I just think that's really interesting. I so you got a happy baby already. At some point, I feel like there's more I want to share about my reconciling my own in vitro experience. Mm. Cause that was a big healing moment in therapy. Mm-hmm. And then what that means to carry my own child now. Mm. And what does it mean to be wanted? Mm. Wow. And, I think that's a big part of my own healing journey and to be able to receive and hold differently than maybe was true of my, my own personal experience in that. Mm-hmm. So I hope you'll hold on to that and do okay. that. Cause I yeah. really would love for you to, because I think that that's sorry, mom. No, <laughs> dang there again. I feel all, oh. no, 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 not to you. I'm thinking like, I'm pre apologizing to my own mother oh, oh, because okay. I'm a little bit nervous as I think about, okay. but okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, but I mean, I think that there is something that is really sacred about that, that I think there's gonna be a lot of places it's going to show up. But what's so interesting is so much trauma that happens to us happens before we ever have language or words or understanding. And that's kind of sad, but it's also incredibly hope-filled when you talk about the fact that, oh, in doing that healing work, now there's space for this. And it's like there's no human being that's not going to be hurt, traumatized in some way. Mm. But we're actually created to heal. That's right. And we are created to heal. It, yeah. Yeah. And to keep rehealing and re so I just I just that's what I'm mm-hmm. yeah, there's gonna be a lot of places for that anyway. So Yeah, I know. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I'll go. I feel like I came home. So for context for folks who are listening, I live in Texas. Latifa lives in Tennessee. Becky, Ashley, and Steve live in Minnesota. And so we make a trip a couple times a year, apparently, to Minnesota. This is my third time in Minnesota ever, all in the last like 10 months. Thank you so much. I love Don't it. Don't you I love it up here? I love it when yeah. it's not February. But, um, oh, that was cold. Too funny. You getting off the 
plane with just a yeah. denim jacket and <laughs> tennis shoes. I'm like, I was oh. late to pick him up. I'm so sorry. That's okay. I'm, I've warmed back up since then. So, <laughs> so I would say I came home from that trip with all this new language and like super motivated. I started, uh, you know, listening to all these audio books and engaging in all these conversations. I mean, the first thing I did was begin to engage with my wife in conversations that I had otherwise been unable to do. And even not even just my wife, but like I kind of started talking about sex with everyone pushing myself. You know, one of the things we said in our, our last episode of season one, we talked about what we were leaving behind and I was leaving behind essentially the notion that I have to be repressed, you know, that I am incapable of mm. participating in mm. this sort of dialogue. I went home and like tried to prove that. I tried to like really engage. I texted my niece and nephews and was just like, look, I know this may be an awkward text for you to receive. They're all teenagers or early 20s. And I was like, but if you ever need somebody to talk about sex with, I'll talk about it with you. And what I have seen over the last many months is that fade. It's kind of like the church camp high. Like it went away. <laughs> the opposite of church and, camp high. <laughs> it's, like, it's the church camp alone. No, it's exactly the church camp high. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like it went away yeah, and the know, repression yeah. came back to where I, yeah. you know, I found myself a few weeks before we gathered again, having conversations with my wife again, where she's just like, it's so hypocritical for you to be producing this show, but not able to talk about this with me. Mm. And I've had to confront that, like I'm doing all of the work is happening internally for me. And I'm once again, not engaging and not allowing myself to sort of enter into like that sort of intimate vulnerability anymore. And, mm. and so the last thing I said to my wife before I got on the plane, was like, well, be ready. When I come back, I'm going to have lots to talk about. I'm going to go do a bunch of healing and I'm going to come home and like be ready to talk again. And I actually think that's true. I'm, I'm kind of going into it now knowing okay, I'm going to do a bunch of growth over the next 48 to 72 hours. And then I'm going to have to go home and try to like change habits again to like incorporate this into my actual life, not just mm -hmm. this moment. And so that's been the experience I've had is this sort of uh, wave of vulnerability or, or of just an ability to have this dialogue that is otherwise very uncomfortable for me. Mm -hmm. So that's me. That's where I am. I have had surprisingly a different experience. I thought that I would have some anxiety, but really when I started listening, I felt a lot of impatience and some frustration with myself because I'm like, I'm not going far enough. I'm not like actually getting to it. And you know, when I was getting texts from my peers, like friends that I actually walked through life with, they were like, you know, the show's good, but it feels like this is a conversation we were all having three or four years ago. Like, where's a conversation mm -hmm. that we want to be having right now? And I called Luke and I was like, I feel like I'm, I didn't misrepresent myself in February because that's where we were. I was releasing mm -hmm. Great As I Faithfulness as a single the same time that we were recording the first season. And I was kind of still in the crux of navigating my like public spiritual identity alongside what I have been doing interpersonally the last, you know, deconstructing, reconstructing for many, many years, but also mm -hmm. specifically in the last year and a half, really coming to like a new landing place for a while, or however long mm -hmm. that will be. And so I found myself feeling like irritated with myself, you know, and not for being dishonest, but just like, oh, I want to be doing these things right now. And I think season two are going to be getting into some of those topics that I'm looking forward to. But I also am excited that I feel a lot more secure and settled. The people that have, you know, been vocal about being upset with me about my current and new path 
they've already been vocal about it now. And I realize not to take it personally. And it just feels really good for me to be more embodied and grounded. Mm -hmm. And not because I think that I'm right, as much as that this is the experience that I'm in right now. And I'm feeling a lot more grateful and able, and just honestly, not afraid to be really honest. And I think that I've kind of used been using the term like expat Christian, like, I keep running into all these ex-worship leaders, ex like people who've been part of church or parachurch organizations and some sort of staff role who have had to walk away for a myriad of different reasons, but are still deeply spiritual mm-hmm. and still trying to integrate and understand how do I continue to have a spiritual life that probably brings some of the stuff that I have with Christianity, maybe none, maybe some, maybe a lot, but what's now? And I keep interfacing with these people in my personal life over and over and over again. And it's really like we all don't want to live in that old fundamentalist evangelical Christian country anymore. It is like the language we understand and the mm-hmm. culture we grew up in, but we want to like live in a different country, but we're sort of like third culture kids in this new world trying to figure out how to be and what we're on to next. And so I'm really looking forward to just naming that and being like, this is who I am mm-hmm. and it's okay. And I'm still deeply spiritual. And there are some things from... Christianity that are still translating for me. Some of it is semantics for me, honestly, on some level, but that definitely matters in this conversation because I realized in season one, so much of what we're talking about stems from purity culture, which stems from Christian faith and identifying as Christian. And so I just want to be myself in season two in the fullest sense. And what I love about the people at this table is I really feel like I can be myself with everybody at this table. I feel so received and so loved. So none of my withholding had to do with anybody around Mm -hmm. me. It had everything to do with my internal dialogue. And so it just feels really good. And I'm excited to get into like some of the nitty gritty topics. You know, I think there's going to be more tension around the table in a good way. Mm -hmm. And and I think it's going to be an exciting opportunity to just like model having space and openness and dialogue and love and care for one another. And I was telling Becky and Steve last night that this topic is so loaded because it's so personal for everyone and it's triggering for a lot of people in good and hard ways. Mm -hmm. And so there's just no way to talk about sex and sexuality and sensuality and even spirituality in a way that's not going to trigger people. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to cause any harm. That's really not my desire. My desire is just mm-hmm. to talk about things, not as an expert, but just to show that we can dialogue about it and it's yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. But there are people along the way that might have felt some harm and letting go of the things I'm not responsible for, but mm-hmm. also trying to own the things that I do want to speak about that maybe I was a little more silent about in season one. Mm. And so that's kind of where I'm at. I just didn't expect that. I expected to have some anxiety or fear like, oh my gosh, like people are going to see this worship leader doing this sex podcast and they're going to freak out. Nobody has said anything to me about it in a negative way. Mm-hmm. It's been more about mother God on page six. Yeah, that's where people come after me. Yeah. But it's just interesting. Yeah. A yeah. few things, I'd love to say a couple things about yeah. what you just said. I'm going to go in reverse order. Absolutely. So one of them you said, in talking about your sort of spiritual journey, you said, and some of it's just semantics. And I think that semantics is like a word that people use to sort of minimize mm-hmm. the importance of 
the words that we use. Mm -hmm. And I think those words are so important. Mm -hmm. And so like, Mm -hmm. I just want to say like, it's not just semantics. Like Mm -hmm. your spiritual journey is actually really, really, it really, really matters. And and, and the specifics of it are really important. Even if other people don't align with them, even if I don't, and I think I do pretty much. But when I say semantics, I'm like, if somebody wants to use the word God or divine, right? Mm -hmm. or like, that's what I'm talking about. That doesn't bother me because I think that we're talking about a similar source, if you will, but for some people, those different words are really also loaded and can put up a lot of barriers. Well, and I think a thing that I know about you after a few years of like pretty close friendship mm-hmm. is that you have an ability to choose your words very specifically. Yeah. And so it may be semantics for other people in dealing with how other people use that language. I think that's just a show of hospitality or grace for you of like, mm-hmm. it doesn't bother you if we have different words for God. But I think mm-hmm. that the words that you use You've chosen specifically, and that's true. And so, I want people to hear it with the nuance that comes with it, and mm-hmm. ask the question of like, well, why? Why would she articulate it that way? Because I guarantee it's on purpose. It is on purpose. And so, mm-hmm. another thing that you said that I want to address, you said, "This is who I am, and that's okay." Mm-hmm. I think this is who you are, and it's good. It's oh, so okay. good, Thank and. You. And this is who I am and that's okay, I think is the first step in that direction for so many people. I mean, this is, maybe that's where I am is trying to get to that place with myself of saying like, this is who I am and that's okay. But there's also a certain amount of like apology that comes with that Mm. and there shouldn't be. Mm. Like I think, and this is the context here is that you and I in private discussions have had conversations around as I'm editing episodes of like making sure you haven't misrepresented yourself or that you're not saying something that's going to get you in trouble with people or whatever. (laughs) And even me checking in and be like, are you sure you want me to put this in an episode? And having to arrive at a place of also my understanding, like, no, who you are and where you are is so good. And the last thing I want to say, I just want to ask you to offer a little context for people who may not know Mm -hmm. who you are yet. Mm -hmm. Like, because you mentioned at the very beginning of your comments, sort of navigating your public spiritual life. Mm-hmm. And people may not know why you have a public spiritual life. So yeah. maybe kind of give folks some context of like, I mean, my first exposure to you was a viral YouTube video of you singing Joy. Joy. And yeah. so, and it's crazy to me still that we're like friends now and we talk about intimate things. But can you offer a little bit of context yeah. for people who may yeah. have only discovered you through this podcast of like yeah, how famous you are? I'm, <laughs> I am not famous at all. Um, to I, Harold you are. To Harold <laughs> Sweet girls. Um, Steve's dad. Yeah, I have been a, a public musician for 15 maybe now plus years. And Page CXVI is probably my most public facing front, which is the spiritual kind of sacred church music space that I've been in. I just put out my 13th record a month ago and had a seven year hiatus between that and had other projects. But I have publicly talked about divorce. I've publicly talked about Christian faith pre my divorce for a long time and wrote music and sung songs about it. And I led worship all over the U.S. and all different kind of denominations and occasionally would be a guest on a podcast or invited to speak somewhere. The world's best podcast guest. The world's best mm-hmm. podcast. It's a fact. World's best podcast producer right here. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. And so, you know, for whatever reason, my public facing life has been deeply connected to spirituality and in particular Christian faith. And I really, my like personal mantra is I, I love to help people feel less alone. And that has been in the space of the church space in America. And and now, you know, when I think about kind of the expat Christian space, that doesn't mean people not in the church space aren't invited, or I just want everyone to be invited. I want everyone to feel less alone. And I think that this journey of the systems that we participate in in order to understand ourselves and 
to help define who we are and how we relate to each other and God. I understand why we do that. But like, can we get past those things and actually really connect? And I am insatiably curious. I will kind of almost try anything. And so I, I just kind of feel compelled to really embody where I am currently. And that's going to involve probably disappointing some people. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. So that's what I wanted to get to is with you in particular, I think we all bring some of this, but with you in particular, because of the nature of your career, the reason why I want that context about there is that you have to, or you have the opportunity to carry or the burden of carrying a lot of people's expectations Mm -hmm. of like people expect you because of their own baggage, their own theological baggage they hear your music, they love your music, and they automatically assume that you agree with them. Oh, and yeah. so the when they to have to it. hear <laughs> in a show like this that like maybe y'all don't line up perfectly, mm-hmm. I think that that brings just some added tension for you that maybe we don't all feel. I mean, yeah, I, people consume art and then feel connected to you in a way. And a lot of that is they want to feel that you're similar and they want to feel that you're on the same team. I got a comment from a woman on Instagram who wrote five incredibly long messages who is very deeply troubled that I have been using the term, you know, mother God alongside father God. And she was taking it so personally. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. and it actually made me feel for her. And I was thinking, Oh, her disappointment, you know, I'm not responsible for that, but Oh, that's gotta be really hard. And so I just wrote her back and I just said, I wish you peace in our disagreement. And, you know, she didn't respond after that because she wrote like five long ones Mm -hmm. before I even saw it. I wish you peace in our disagreement. Mm-hmm. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I don't mean it with any sort of like, yeah, that's you. It's that's just, the most gracious response you yeah. can have without yeah. getting all pulled in. Yeah. I think what I realized in my tension and frustration that I was feeling and listening to the show it was never that the show, the show is beautifully done. And I'm very proud to be a part of it. It was all my personal inner tension of how I was representing myself. And I think that I am finally completely fatigued of betraying my own personal understanding of what is good and life-giving for myself, like minimizing that for the sake of hospitality. Like I can Mm -hmm. still be hospitable and still fully bring myself. And that is something that I'm discovering. I think, Becky, you do that really well. And that's one of the reasons why I just, when I first met you, it's so apparent. And I was just like, like trying to drink that, you know, in Mm. it's, it's so life-giving to be a powerful, bold, and still gentle and kind female who has a lot of information and a lot of experience, but is absolutely okay, Mm -hmm. like sitting in front of someone if we disagree and just holding space for them without it making you feel insecure about your own understanding of what is true, you know? And I just think that's rad. And, and, and I like want to be, I want to embody that as well. And so just kind of like, it really kind of took me going through the fire and just letting people hate me or be mad at me and not taking it personally and being like, but I have the most inner peace I've ever had in my life. And it feels awesome. (laughs) My life is really good. And I'm really grateful for it. Your life is good. Is there anything new in your life? I've been with a partner almost a year and he's wonderful. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't bring it up in the last season because it was still relatively new, but, oh, it's been so life-giving. And And he's adorable. Oh, my gosh. He's wonderful. 
He's a wonderful human being. How would you rate him against Alan? <laughs> right, because he, Alan, is the standard, the gold oh standard. He's a ten. You guys know he has when no Alan idea. actually listens to oh this. Alan is going to turn and just to be so clear, Alan is and Ashley's I bet you that red looks yeah. so yeah. good on him. Oh, the red looks so good on him. It's just like Alan, red is your color. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna all go back. Alan is Ashley's perfect husband, who is a physical specimen. And um triathlete godlike yeah. hair godlike hair and, yeah. Uh, yeah but in a very biceps for days oh just biceps arms chest yeah. back and you know hairy legs dress is great cool. butt yeah it's just it's all there. The hairy legs there. Yeah. You, you like the hairy legs is I that do. A, i do i do like hairy legs too his legs yeah triathlons for triathlons, sure. I know we've had well, that gotta, conversation. Those microseconds count. Yeah. <laughs> they, they count. Oh man, I have great moments. Anyway, yeah. Your turn's deep. Yeah, thank you. That My was turn. long. I, you can edit that it. all you want. No, Luke. We'll but I want. Sorry. You, thank yeah. you for many. Oh. There's many things you articulated that I feel like yeah. I've felt also mm. in that of just particularly the language. Mm-hmm. You know, like so. Not thank you. Yeah. 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 Totally. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Well, you know, I think in terms of responses, I've been delightfully surprised that mostly the ones I've gotten anyway are just people that say, thank God for this podcast. It's so helpful. I love it. It's just exactly what I need right now. It's, and that's both men and women. And the men that I hear from are a little more like shy about it. You know, they're, Hey, by the way, I listen, but just don't tell anybody, you know, that, that kind of thing. And maybe delightfully, surprisingly. So I haven't received one piece of negative feedback. And I think part of that's because I think we do a good job of holding space maybe for lots of different opinions and thoughts. But also I think it's because this is not my first go around publicly around some of these topics. And so not too many people are surprised. This is not a big, you know, like coming out party in terms of what I believe. I don't think, but then how I'm experiencing it, I would say, Oh my goodness. In the last seven months, of course, COVID-19 and I'm a pastor. And I think as I've talked to other pastors, it's just really, really hard to know how to navigate life in your congregation with people who are really, really lonely and really, really anxious and isolated. And you're putting out a weekly video, you know, here we go. And you're trying to talk about important things. And I'm also feeling my own level of anxiety about the world right now. We have the election, of course, coming up uh, between when season one was recorded and now in my hometown, George Floyd was murdered. And oh, that was a big deal. And we're so I was in, the day after Ruth Bader Ginsburg has passed. Oh. And yes. You can feel that like, oh, oh God, it's, it's about just, to get messy. Right, yeah. What a loss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think, honestly, I have been a little honestly detached from the fun parts experience episode by episode. I even got one question from one of my friends in Canada who listens and she says, are you not like sharing the fun parts episodes anymore? And why? You know, and I realized like, oh, gosh, I wasn't. But it's not because I didn't and don't believe passionately about it. I think I have just reached a saturation point. And I just have to recognize that for me, and I know for many people, but for me, how many things can I hold, you know, and it feels like too many. And so I have felt myself going more and more in a good and healthy way. I think inward doing less and less public stuff, you know, even online feeling like I need more silence, more meditation, more small, less big And so anyway, I have an odd ambivalence in its truest sense of the word ambivalence. I'm very excited about fun parts and I've loved season one and like, oh my gosh, do I have the capacity to hold that? And that 
tricky, nuanced, tough conversation. That's how I honestly feel, you know, and what has changed since I just think, oh my gosh, I mean, not much in terms of like, I'm not pregnant. <laughs> I don't have a new partner, same partner. But then I also think a lot has changed in terms of just how I'm navigating my own soul with more tenderness and the world with a little more like I'm backing up two steps, I think. And I think that's okay and healthy. I think that's so interesting. We had a conversation this morning where it was, I sort of realized about you how much of an empath you are. And mm-hmm. so to think about the tremendous amount of trauma the whole world is going through that your town is going through, mm-hmm. that just yeah. the country's to know like the sort of mass trauma that's happening to be an empath in the way that you are. I mean, I can only imagine the need for like, I just got to stop. I've got to stop mm-hmm. caring about something, mm-hmm. not because it's not important, yeah. but because no room. you are it's a limited resource, you know, <laughs> like, well, and I also, and maybe I'll pose this as a question and maybe for Latifa, especially as a public figure, it's like when something happens and you're a little bit of a public figure, even if it means just an author or pastor. Oh, and by the way, I also released a book into the world, right? Three weeks. And it just, it just disappeared. And it was so disappointing because I really love, love the content. It's such a good book too. What's, and it called? It, What's the name again? It's called Shining Like the Sun. That's right. And it's really about finding God in your own soul right here and now. Ooh. And finding God, the divine, without looking for the divine. It is. It's kind of the Meister Eckhart, the wayless way. Anyway, yeah, I would it. say. It's good. I'll read it. What I was about to say, though, is that I think with all of these things happening, with George Floyd and the election, there is a, I feel a pressure to say something. Yes. Every time something happens, as if there's some police that are out there. Is Steve going to say something? What's he going to say? And, and is he going to say the right thing? Is he going to say the right thing? And inevitably, no, I'm not. I mean, I've gotten tons of messages, not tons, some, various forms of this. I used to glean a lot from you as a pastor, but now your posts are painful, you know? Wow. And wow, Steve. and I respond similarly. I just, yeah. I think I said, well, perhaps you can have grace for someone as he grows and changes, you know? And so, and it's fascinating, you know, that whole thing. I like the old Steve, you know, yeah. I like the old Latifah. Mm. I like the old Becky or Luke yeah. or Ashley. And it's like, well, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, shouldn't we all be growing and changing? But I think I feel tender about that stuff too, yeah. you know? Yeah, and so I think as much as I want to say like, oh, that doesn't bother me. It really does bother me actually when I get a message like that because I'm such an empath and I'm feeling feeling other people's feelings and I, you're a three and I'm a three. And so it's, it's difficult to locate my own. Yeah. Yep. Which basically means Thank you for I want, <laughs> I just Some assume everyone don't. knows that like, I know, I know, me saying like, you're a three should be a revelation for everyone. Oh, he's a three. Suddenly everything makes sense. Your yes. book didn't do well. You feel like a failure every day. <laughs> yeah. Threes wake up feeling like they have accomplished nothing <sighs> and everybody hates them. So and so hard. the work of that next day is to, Get everybody, everybody to admire yeah. you or like you again by doing lots of really admirable and great stuff. And I think it's exhausting, of course. Well, like 51st States, you need to have a video that pops up in the morning yeah. that says, you are loved. Oh my gosh, yeah. That'd be awesome. By this person, this person, this uh, yeah. person. That'd be awesome. That would be good. And so anyway, that's how I'm doing. I mean, that's, that's really how I'm doing. I know that I was going to qualify that like, oh, sorry, that's a downer. No, that's just, that just is that's what true. that is. And I think though, as I think about this next 
48 hours or whatever, where we'll talk a lot. I'm in a slower, more tender, more contemplative place. Mm. And I just wonder what that, how that will come out. You know, I think at times it comes out with fun and mirth and laughter and jokes and, you know, talking about Alan's pecs and that will slow anybody down. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And at other times I think it'll mean, you know, having less, like I noticed in season one, I was like, Steve, stop having answers, you know, be a little more curious. So anyway. Well, there's answers and then there's contextualization. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but I think and, when I give the nerdy 30, sometimes that yeah. feels like, wait a minute, am I trying to tie this up in a tiny little boat? That's not what I'm trying to do. Oh, I, I mean, yeah. haven't yeah. heard that at mm-hmm. all. Yeah. Okay. I, I, it's like we can't control how people perceive us. Sometimes we yeah. can't even control how we perceive ourselves. But well, like exactly. the best thing we can do is figure out how to receive and accept, I think, and just be embodied in ourselves. Yeah. And what I'm hearing you say is slowing down, mm-hmm. being more contemplative, mm-hmm. like being more in your body. Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to yeah, we'll having see. conversations with Steve. It's funny you say that, that because as also a three, yeah. I think that's actually gets what you just said about we can't control how other people perceive us. We can't control how we perceive ourselves. It's like, that's the yeah. fundamental thing that threes don't believe. Right. I perceive myself through the lens of how others perceive me. Mm-hmm. And I believe that I can affect that by how I accomplish things. And so if I can like that's achieve a deadly, the right uh, amount and curse. people can view me in a particular yeah. way, then I will feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a total tangent. But anyway, mm-hmm. Becky, how about you? You've had some life change since... I have had some life change. I am now a grandmother to three little boys. I know, a new little addition to the world. And that was over in Germany, and that has a, its own bag. It was It was really, I want to say, the last time we were together in February, we now kind of think I probably had COVID, and I was infecting everybody. And, I didn't get and I'm like, sure, everybody come to Minnesota. Be in this enclosed room with me for 48 hours. In the winter. In winter, and we'll just, I'll just, I'll just turn my way from the cop. So I think if the there's been a lot that has happened in the realm of, for me, physically, I was, that really literally took me out for almost six weeks, was yeah. it? More six, eight weeks. A couple months. It was like, I couldn't take a deep breath. I'm still getting my, anyway, that doesn't matter. Anyway, but COVID really did impact me. Mm-hmm. And I think that there was a lot of self-condemnation I had on myself that I just can't get over it. I've got to get over it. So I worked really hard physically. I've had to do a lot of physical to get back even my breath and stuff like that. And giving myself grace for that. And then going into, now I'm, it's in the middle of COVID and I'm trying to get into a foreign country for my daughter who's having a baby and it would that in in and of itself was this perilous, unbelievable understanding. And I literally landed in Germany at the same time George Floyd was being killed here. Mm. And it was like there was something of my soul that literally something was happening in my community, and there was this thing of celebration. And it it was this hard element. My mother's heart was like so there for my daughter, but it was my mother's heart was crying out for George Floyd as he's oh, it just makes me want to cry. So then I came back and I had to integrate into that. So it's been a really hard year of loss and a lot of making space for lament and just mm-hmm. grieving mm-hmm. and then finding places and moments of joy mm-hmm. and reminding myself, I want to say the work that I do is pastoral counseling. And so this has been a stressful time 
for everybody. And that's showing up. Every day I show up at my job, I have to show up ready to face all the angst that people are going through, not relationally. COVID is one thing, but it's like there's this element of continually having to do, this has been a year of me having to literally do real intentional body care mm-hmm. and real intentional grounding for myself. Mm-hmm. And that's taught me some things. It's deepened some of my awareness and what do I believe and how do I believe? So my whole thing about this going out into the world, I was kind of first and foremost, and I say this to you, Luke, you took my breath away with what you created from, Mm. you literally Mm. took my breath away. Mm. The beauty of these five voices and these hearts that are here that are full and open to humanity. And yes, Latifa, we have never intentionally meant to harm anyone, but the reality is we will. But Our goal has been to open up a conversation and have a conversation in a way that makes space for difference and not judgment in the midst of each of us having places and ways in which we hold something. And that to me has just deepened. But I want to say there is an artistry to how you have been able to take these very raw conversations. And really, the good news is you're only bleeping out things that would be my stutter and your cough, my coughs. And I mean, you really are. So people are really Ashley's getting a Tourette's. real conversation. <laughs> oh, and you're peeing in the sink too. Well, yeah. sure. <laughs> but, but I mean, there is, there's this sense of this is a real raw conversation. And that's the feedback I've had from a lot of people. I've gotten a lot of texts privately from people that are telling me this is a conversation. I'm so grateful for it. This scares me. I'm not sure what to do with it. And I just, The invitation is I just keep inviting people, can you listen for what is for you and let go of what's not for you? Mm. And part of it is I say that especially I have the incredible privilege of getting to work with people who have been wounded in the LGBTQIA plus community by the church. And I feel so honored every time somebody literally trusts me with their story and we start to unpack it and unfolds. And everybody's in different places, and that's really okay. But one of the things I have felt good about is being able to say, you know, maybe you might want to listen and then let me know. And it has created so much information for us to share. It's created so many different things for us to have a conversation around it. I honestly, I have not shared this. I have not like sent out a link to my clients. One, because there's this sense of, Ooh, they would really get to see a lot of me, you know, <laughs> there. Mm. And as a trying to help people walk through things, I don't want my things to get in the way yeah. or right. my stories to get in the way of them unfolding and unpacking things. That's right. what I want to help them do. And for the few clients I have actually opened it up to the response that I've had has been, Oh my gosh, I hear myself in Luke. Like I can hear myself in Luke. Mm-hmm. And that's my response, Becky. Now help me. Or I can hear myself in Steve. I, you know, just this. No, I haven't had anybody say that about Steve. Yeah. You know what I've heard from <laughs> Steve? But Boy, I will say, I've gotten really two disappointing. texts. I can open it up and I can put it on my phone and tell you. And the thing that they've said is Steve's voice has been the most healing pastoral voice. I needed to know that actually existed out yeah. there. Mm-hmm. I have two texts specifically from people that have said that. And it was like, for me, there's a hope that there is a pastoral voice of kindness. And so I want to say, but I have heard people that have said 
for each person's individual voice. I have text. I can prove them if you want. I don't need you to. But the beauty is, is everybody's fine. I want to read them. I want to read them. I'd like to. I believe you. I'd like to do some screenshots of those things and just, you know, in the morning, just pull them up. Well, to everybody who's sent them in, I won't give them screenshots so they don't know who they're. And that's that's a hard thing, I think, part of this too, is some of it we have to keep some of the responses private private because Mm. people are coming specifically. Of course. And so, and so really trying to honor that, but also trying to encourage, because I'll be honest, when the first one came out, I was like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Here that's go. good stuff. Okay, Luke, you did it well. But there was this piece of me that was going every... I've dreamed of this for years. Mm-hmm. Being able to do this and have this... And it's like, I just hope there's more. I just keep hoping there's more. And Mm. I love getting to have individual one-on-ones. I really do. But I know there's more. If we can just get this conversation out and into places, Mm -hmm. there are ways in which that's the biggest feedback I've had is I'm suddenly having a conversation with my grown daughter Mm -hmm. and, and, Mm -hmm. and actually saying, you know, I need to own that I raised you in the purity movement and I am so sorry. And could we have a different conversation now? Mm. And, or a dad who's willing to go to his son and say, you know what? I shamed you Mm -hmm. for this. Mm -hmm. And I know that, and I can own that. And I'm Mm going to say, there's a different way. Would you be willing? Mm. I had somebody contact me. I have no idea how this person found they were trying to explain how they'd gotten to me. And I'm like, I'm lost by the third <laughs> seven connections, but I'm lost. And I said, could you just tell me your story? I Great, you got here through this, but could you just tell me your story? And basically, they opened up and shared some things that I would say they've never said out loud or never dreamed that they were, they thought they were the only one who ever felt that. And it was like, mm. at one moment, they said there was this moment when Steve started to explain contextual, and I realized that my contextual construct needed not to be redone, it needed to be destroyed. Mm. And that's what they've been Mm. doing Mm. this whole season Mm. is making space for clearing the debris away and going, I'm gonna put everything out there and then figure out what holds what weight. And it's like, that's what this conversation has done for that mm. person. That's beautiful. I love that. So I think that what you just said actually really, really, one, captures the heart of what we're trying to do, the heart of this show, and especially captures maybe the invitation that we want to extend as we get ready to launch season two. And that is, you talked about with your clients, you haven't shared it because you don't want your story to sort of get in the way of their story. Mm-hmm. And I kept thinking like, well, that's what we, we also don't want that here. Because when you do that, when that happens, what happens is that people can receive our stories as though they are normative. And so part of what we've run into with season one was that there were some certain people who did not feel represented. I was just about to bring that up. And I think that's important for us to acknowledge that like what we're trying to do here is not normalize our experience. What we're trying to do is just be honest and Mm -hmm. share our experience so that people can find themselves and feel invited to the table, even if they don't share our exact experience. It it doesn't have to be our experience. Yeah, that's the... I'm really looking forward because I know we're planning on this in season two is having other voices. Yeah through interviews or other contexts or conversations also come so they can share 
their stories that are different from our stories Mm -hmm. or they have different identities. And so just by that alone, like we're all heterosexual around this table. And so I know there are are a lot of people that are listening that don't identify as heterosexual. And I'm really looking forward to having some of those voices Mm -hmm. added into our conversation because there are just inevitably things that we miss Mm -hmm. because it's not in our story. We're all Mm -hmm. cisgendered as well. That's correct. I think we have to name that and say like, That's not an intentional... We didn't set out. No, we never... I mean, I don't think we've said, okay, let's do this very vanilla. I don't think of us as vanilla, though. I think there's this element of what we're trying to represent, and this is what I'm finding from texts from people, is they're starting to have their own conversations based on the vulnerability that they're experiencing, the discomfort they're experiencing, and they're going, oh, discomfort and difference can sit at the same table. That's what I hope we're modeling. And yes, we are going to bring in some other voices. Yes, that's good. Mm -hmm. But we never set out to make this the end all and cover everything. We can't do that. That's too stressful. Well, I don't want to either because then I'm I'm not living. I want to be able to make space. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is there's no way humanly possible we can cover everything in sexuality. We just can't. Yeah. But I see that from the standpoint of going, we can't because it's so vast. It's so big. It's so amazing. But let's do our little piece of opening up and having conversations. And I think even season one felt like a little bit of an experiment. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was totally, you know, long introduction. Yeah. But we were trying to figure it out, you know, and I think when I think about February, state of the world, Mm -hmm. compared to just... Like, Steve, I love what you shared about the, being in a more contemplative place because I feel like we've all been forced into new places mm. over the past seven months. And so I think we're all coming very different to this yeah. table than we would have if there was no COVID-19 yeah. right? and all the other things we just named, too. So I think we've learned a lot over that time and the importance of elevating and centering other voices mm-hmm. through this. And I think now we're, we know, we're we know each it. other more, yeah. frankly. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just excited. Like, it feels like a, a new chapter. But mm-hmm. I think we had to kind of get our swimming legs, you yeah. know, yeah. season but one. But it bears mentioning, too, maybe people don't know this. These five people, before we sat down, yeah. and I mean, we had gotten together once last fall just mm-hmm. to say, is this even possible? To meet each other for the first time. That was the first time we met. That was the only time the five of us. And then we got together and recorded season one. So... It is not like the five of us are all dear friends, good friends. We're becoming that way, but mm-hmm. season one was a, wait a minute, who are you? And what? <laughs> you know, we and we just dove yeah. right in, yeah. Yeah. which I think part of the trust that we developed so quickly was magical, kind of. Yeah. And then I think season two will, will be, as we've all said, inviting other voices in. And as we see the trust grow, as you said, Latifa, there might be some more tension around the table. It's more pushback Mm -hmm. in healthy and, you know, passionate ways. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Let's really know each other. I'm looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. It's been fun over the course of even since that, you know, we bonded in a certain way over the course of that weekend that we recorded the entire first season. The deepening of that bond, for me at least, like I have y'all in my ears as I'm editing these episodes. Like I feel intimately connected yeah, yeah. with each of you. It does not feel like it's been months since we've done this yeah. because I feel like I'm at the table with you every day. And maybe yeah. of all of us, I'm the one that most needs that. But mm. I'm super excited. So season two is about to launch. This is our invitation for all of you, if you hear this, to rejoin us at the table for another season of discussing 
and not even just discussing, of engaging with the relationship between sexuality and spirituality. And I couldn't be more excited or nervous about it. Yeah. I'm so pumped. Yeah. All right. Okay. Thanks, friends. This episode of Fun Parts was produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork was designed by the very talented Alan Lusink. All the music you heard in this episode was composed, produced, and licensed by the fine folks at blue.sessions.com. Check out our website at funpartspodcast.com and be sure to follow us on social media at funpartspodcast. Lastly, if you want access to bonus and behind-the-scenes content from this and other Milieu Media Group shows, join our neighborhood at the Patreon link in the show notes. And now, here's a scene from the next episode of Fun Parts. I remember there being a moment where the teacher told some boy, stop looking up her dress. And I just remember being so curious about, like, why would you look up someone's dress? And then I was suddenly like, well, I got to see what's up there because <laughs> because I need to know why exactly. I'm not supposed to do that. It wasn't like it yeah. created this mystery for yeah. me mm-hmm. because I'm not supposed to do that. Yeah. It's funny that like that is what would come to mind for me now when you say your first sexual experience was like, don't look, yeah. don't look. Wow.